You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to My Dog Digs Dirt. I'm your host, Lauren Collier. So tell me if you agree. If you've been watching the news lately and all that's going on, I would say it's hard not to notice that more and more canines are joining in in the fight against terrorism. In fact, right here in Dutchess County, New York, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority has just opened the largest canine training facility for law enforcement in the United States. So how are these dogs trained? What are they trained to do? Where do they come from? And how will they protect you and me? Up next on My Dog Digs Dirt, we get an inside look with my guest, MTA Tactical Commander Lieutenant John Kerwick, who also happens to be President of the United States Police Canine Association. Stay tuned. We'll be barking right back. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All-day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to My Dog Digster. I'm Lauren Collier, and my guest is MTA Lieutenant John Kerwick, who is president of the United States Police Canine Association and is the tactical commander of the Metropolitan Transportation Authority Police Canine Unit in New York City, which is also the largest mass transit lieutenant a canine unit in the United States. Welcome to the show. I'm really delighted to have you. I'm, I'm thrilled about this new unit, and of course, I wish that you would come over to my house and train my Bouvier. <laughs> I wish. So let's talk about the unit first, the new facility. Uh, this is really quite something special. Uh, yes, it is. You know, uh, the concept of this whole canine training center literally began the day after 9-11. So it's taken a lot of time to develop it to the point where we have it today. And the construction and design took years uh, so we could uh, get the property to build it on and have the funding available. And as we did all that, the needs of, uh, of using these dogs for different types of things that we use them for increased all the time. So we're, we're, it's just, uh, it's late in being developed and built, but it's uh, timely because the need just gets bigger and bigger. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, every time I turn around and there's something that's happened, tragically, uh, you see that there's a canine on the scene. Are you surprised? I mean, I know you've been doing this for so many years, t- about 28, I think, that the role of canines has grown so much. Well, I have the benefit of working a dog uh, since 1991. So the biggest event that we had changed our, our deployment of canines really was the 9-11 right. uh, disaster. 
And literally, we, we decided that the old thing about just going out looking for criminals and recovering evidence had to change a lot. And if we were going to keep these people that we couldn't identify at bay the best we could, the terrorists, we had to literally reinvent canine. And that's pretty much the track we've been on since 9-11. Well, does it ever surprise you the variety of things they can do? Because it amazes me every time, again, I turn around, I feel like they're doing something different. And as you mentioned, not just the traditional roles. No, I mean, going away from the terrorism side for a minute, you know, we look at, you know, different types of uh, drugs that have come out, different types of, the internet has changed the world with computers. And now we have dogs that can actually sniff out hardware. USB sticks that are secreted or people that steal identities try to hide different things during search warrants. And we actually, there's dogs trained today that can actually look for those items as as well. We can keep cell phones out of prisons now by teaching a dog how to find the batteries that power them. Actually, uh, yeah. yeah. The dog's an amazing tool and it's it's better than a tool because it's actually your buddy, you know, it's It's your your friend. And what's amazing is when they work, they work just like a human. And I know you've had partners. When they're home, they're home with you uh, just like your friend. Yeah, the, the relationship I, uh, I've had with my partner. So I'm on my uh, fifth partner now. His name wow. is TB. And uh, he's a, a male German shepherd that uh, is just the sweetest animal in the world and also the most serious dog in the world when it's time to be serious to help me, you know, in what, right. what we do. There's a relationship here that I could go on for hours about that's just when you wake up in the morning, we're together, you know, we, we get dressed together, he eats his little bit of food, I take a shower, <laughs> he's actually jumped into the shower with me. Oh, I was just um, going to ask you that. And, right? it, and it goes on all day and all night. And, uh, you know, all five of my dogs throughout my career have been the same way. And I think he was named after uh, someone that uh, a very close friend of mine, Stephen Driscoll, was a police officer for NYPD and was killed in the 9-11 event. And I named, immediately thereafter, I had a dog named Hero, who I named after him. And when uh, Hero was retired and he eventually passed, my new dog, CB, was named after Stephen also, because oh, Steve that. was in the uh, Navy as a CB. What a wonderful tribute. Yep. And it's wonderful to see the relationships. I was just in Grand Central Station, and I saw quite a few partners together. And what surprised me is I used to think of, you know, typical police military dog as a German Shepherd, but I seem to see more and more Malamuds. Is that correct? Yeah, or what kind um, of dogs are you using? We're using a, a mix of pretty much what's available because we purchase a lot of animals that aren't trained, and we purchase them because... What we're seeing in the breeding process is the drives are different. Mm -hmm. So the German Shepherd has always been a very intelligent, easy-to-train, good dog, and still is. And uh, the market sometimes presents us with some Belgian Malinois and Dutch Shepherds and mixtures of the same. And there seems to be more available lately. They've been around forever, but uh, they seem to be coming around more. And uh, I think over the years I've seen the Malinois become more prevalent as of late, but any of those breeds work very well for us. It really doesn't matter, male, female, or any variety of that breed seems to work really well for us. So the male and female, no difference? No. Um, in the old days, in, in the early 90s when I started, sometimes the male dogs would kind of be disinterested and not focused on their work when a female working dog was in the area. Uh, right, of and, course, right. Yeah, and that, that was a problem. But I think over time, we've learned to expose them more and more to that. 
I see. And, uh, and they're used to it now. So actually, in my world, when we select a dog, sex is not a factor for us. Now, how do you select the dogs? I would understand that there are ones that have a high sort of play drive because they don't get food for what they do, correct? Isn't well, it more in, of a... in our unit, we don't utilize food. We, okay. we use uh, just a positive reinforcement, either playing with a, a toy or a voice praise. Some units in different parts of the country do use food as a reward system. Okay. And if that works for them, that's fine. But in our in our environment where we're working around people all the time and, and quite frequently the dog team will not be able to carry enough food with him to reward that dog all day long. Right. Yeah, that um, makes so, sense. Right. Yeah, we use a toy system and, and a lot of it is the in the absence of an actual object, just being kind and using your voice and being playful with the dog. And they want I know some people will be oh that's so mean to the dog. I said, but they love to do it. That's what well, they're yeah. bred to do, right? Yeah. I don't know how to explain this, but if these dogs are such high-drive animals that you have to give them a purpose. Right. If they don't have the purpose and, and something to do all day long with their brain, that they become, I think, they become uncomfortable. That's and that's usually when an animal gets in trouble. He starts chewing on stuff Absolutely. or you know, <laughs> things of that nature. You know, they become a little mischievous. Yeah, that's the secret of it. So are you involved in that, Lieutenant, when the dogs come to your facility or when they're chosen? How do you determine the ones that are going to work? And I assume they don't always work out. No, uh, quite frequently they don't. Um, I'm very lucky to have an excellent training staff up here at the facility. and uh, We have a a fellow I'll refer to as the dog father, uh, Ah. Bill Finucane, who uh, takes over most of this. But I've watched him uh, numerous times. Uh, he has a set test procedure that he'll put the dogs through to see what type of play drive they have and how long that drive will last. Some dogs will play with you for 30 seconds, and mm-hmm. other dogs will play continually, and that's kind of what we're looking for. Do and they come as we, puppies? Are they puppies, or is there a certain age? No, we age? usually get them about a year old. A year old, okay. Yep, and that's young enough that we'll have a good working life for the dog. And it's also, at a year, they've developed... Somewhat some of their background and how they're going to be, but the transportation environment's real tough for a dog to get used to. Is With it? The passing trains, the noise, the, you know, the lights, the, the crowds we have in New York City. Right. So uh, a lot of them don't make through our test because of crowds and because of the, all the extra noise in the environment. And we have to have these dogs be as social as we possibly can. Right. Uh, they, they're around people all day long and people are constantly not doing the preferred thing of asking the police officer, hey, can I pet your dog? Yeah. And they'll just walk up from behind. And we want an animal to react properly. And, and that's to be non-aggressive in, you know, at all times unless he's called on to be. That's so, tough, uh, yeah. We, it, that's not always that's easy to, to make happen. And, and I uh, think we're it, very lucky that way. Oh, and it's important that people find out about the facility also because when you have a dog, you have to realize they need to be trained. They don't just wake up. Even, you know, a, a working dog, they don't just wake up and one day they're like that. Now, the facility has, wow, 72 acres, so it's huge. Talk about, you know, what goes on there. What well, kind of specific, you know, training? Well, 
most of our work these days, you know, we're mass transit specific, and uh, in New York, we're usually the primary target and uh, talked about on the news a lot about what's going to happen to us in this country. And so most of our work these days is devoted to uh, the detection of explosives. But we also cross-train our dogs, too, to look for people that are missing, either a person that wants to be found or a person that, you know, such as a lost person, right. or a person that wouldn't want to be found like a criminal or just someone, just may an Alzheimer's patient who's just wandering. So we look for things that might be used in a crime, a weapon or property of uh, a crime, something that got stolen and then dropped by someone. I see, uh, right. So we use the land a lot for those kind of things, but we have uh, rail cars up here now. We have uh, actual Metro-North uh, retired rail equipment. We have uh, a number of New York City buses on site, and they're covered so we can work them day or night, bad weather, good weather. The trains themselves actually operate. They don't move, but we can open and close the doors just like you would if you were on a commuter train. Wow. The PA system works, the heat, the AC, the lights. So we can actually put people in these train cars and do role-playing in there as well and load them up with people and put the contraband in there and have them as realistic as we would in New York. It's absolutely amazing. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back, so stay tuned. When I adopted her, she was a mess. Scabs, itching, licking, missing fur, hot spots, a thin, dull coat. So I take the dog to the vet for the standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. No results. I hear your advertisement on the radio. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. So I get the five-pound box of Dynavite and the Lico Chops. Within a four-week total, instead of a German Shedder, I have a German Shepherd. Sheba is a 105 lean pounds of shiny, smooth, happy dog for life because she gets fed Dynavite. And the results, they're just incredibly outstanding. And she loves it. When you rescue a dog, you have to do the right thing. You've got to feed him right for life. Do the Dynavite. Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio Talk and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. My Dog Digs Dirt is back, and we are talking about a wonderful new facility that has just opened up. It's a training facility for canines, and uh, Lieutenant John Kerwick is with me. Lieutenant, it's really fascinating to hear about how you get the dogs, and also we've talked a little bit about the training. I'm curious, how are the trainers trained to train the dogs? Are you involved in that as well? Yeah, it's kind of a, a career progression. Normally, when we have a new handler, a person we take into the unit with a brand new dog, we have one of the trainers actually train that person to train his own dog. Okay. So it's a small progression there. And as people get interested in it and become very astute, maybe on a second or third dog team, 
they might express an interest to be a trainer and, you know, will enhance their career by getting them the credentials and the experience to do it. Now, I imagine a lot of officers want to be partnered up. Is there enough? You know, can you like, is, well, sure. does everybody um, get to do that or how does that work? Well, the, you know, there's a, an application process. Uh, you have to be a police officer first. We ask that you be a police officer for at least three years in our department prior to being able to apply. And, you know, picking dogs is one thing, but picking out the human side is equally as important because we want somebody who's going to have that knack and Mm -hmm. actually treat this partner, this dog partner, just like it's a human. I mean, treat him as gentle and as nice and as friendly as he would a child or his wife. Absolutely. And uh, they have to be committed to spending that much time with them. That's not always easy to find. I bet. I mean, as you said, it's it's a family member, too. You've had five partners. Has it been so rewarding for you? I mean, I know you're an expert, but still, for you, what has that meant so people well, can get an idea of it? I remember the very first day I bought my first partner home. You know, he wasn't trained yet. We were both rookies, brand new. And I remember my two children and my wife saying, this is the really coolest thing in the world. And I I also remember that they, now looking backwards, they had no idea what they were in for. (laughs) And it was a very rewarding process all the way through all five animals. Um, And it's just been, even when they do retire and you bring them home, that too is a whole new experience for the animal and for the family. Because now... I have a new partner, and my old guy stays home, and he becomes more of a pet. And, you know, it's, it's a, an experience that's uh, so full of gratitude, I can't even begin to tell you. Oh, I think it's terrific, and I, it's terrific that we're seeing more and more, and uh, it's more and more sort of partners. Uh, what about uh, restrictions for the dogs? Is it a long day? I mean, do they not work in the heat? I've seen them out in all kinds of weather, so I guess uh, that's part of the training. Well, yeah, uh, as far as while they're working, you know, we have to keep an eye out. They'll tell us and always give us symptoms that there's something wrong, extreme panting, uh, slowing down of things, a difference in color of gums. But we we have to remember, just because this dog wants to continue to working, Mm -hmm. it isn't always prudent that he should. Right. And, And that's a part of picking the right person to work with the dog and us, you know, watching how they work. Training the dog is the easy part. Training the human side <laughs> to is the part that's a little more challenging. Yeah, it's hard, and uh, and we're very fortunate. That's you know we realize that's a big part of the program. And, so that's uh, part of the what goes on in the facility then. Yes, uh, there's classrooms there for humans as well, and we spend a lot of time with the human side in the classroom talking about health care, emergency veterinary care, uh, how to take care of the dog in emergencies, and and also our what we do in terms of. The detection work these days, uh, the dog knows what to do when he smells something. He shows us what he smelled and and reacts to it. And then it's up to the police officer to kind of figure out how I'm going to mitigate this and what extra circumstances I need. That's changed tremendously post 9-11. It must be amazingly interesting. I mean, do you learn things new every, again, you've been doing it for a long time, but are you learning new things every day, especially now that you have the facility, which brings together, you know, so many aspects well, I'll, I'll just say this. I learn new stuff in the dog world every day. Mm-hmm. I, I learn what to do and what not to do. And every time we begin to think we know everything is when we get in trouble. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not just about the new explosives that are coming out or the new tactics we have to counteract. But it's the animal himself begins 
always had something up his sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, we're always learning something new. And, you know, you, you can train a dog, and uh, we have to keep them, maintain their training uh, every month. They, they come back through the, this facility for 8 to 12 hours a month. And sometimes they develop a new habit at four or five years old that was never there before. Wow. And that's a challenge for the trainers, you know, to identify it and figure out what's going on. And, and usually it's something that can be fixed. And so it's a constant process. They have to get fresher classes, I assume, which is another thing that's going on in the facility for both human yeah. and, and dog. We spend close to six months in their initial training uh, when we combine all the training. And then they have to recycle through here every month for training just to keep it where we can watch it and we can re- actually record it that they're always at the same level all the time. And, of course, you have to train with your dog every day. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's so yeah. important. And how do you pair up the dog with the human? How does that work? Well, a lot of times there's a saying in the uh, dog industry or in the canine world that every handler gets the dog he deserves. <laughs> and I think that's because they teach each other things. That's but, if we, you know, human personalities are just like dog personalities. They're completely through a whole range of different characteristics and different personality traits. So if we have a dog that seems to be a little bigger than for his shoes than he really is or he mm-hmm. wants to do more than he should and he needs to calm down a little bit, we'll give him a person that's a calmer person. Likewise, if we have a dog that might need a little excitability to get him motivated, we'll take a personality that loves to get on all fours just like uh-huh. a dog and play with him. And and it's very important you match up the right person with the right dog. Oh, I bet. So there's always a partner. They don't Absolutely, work by yes. themselves, right? No, and, they always, they're teamed from day one and they go through their whole career together. And if the dog doesn't work out, where do they go? Are they adopted? Do you have a special program for that? Well, we're very fortunate that that doesn't happen too okay. often. Our selection process sometimes takes us two to three weeks of having okay. a dog with us. I see. But on occasion, you know, a dog will, at let's say three or four years of his career, he develops a health issue or something, uh, we'll retire the dog with the handler, you know, to the residence. So they can have that. Um, well, this is terrific. I mean, it's it's a wonderful new facility for the MTA Police Department. It's a canine training facility in Stormville, New York. I'm not sure if a listeners can come visit. Are you going to have any kind of open class days or anything like that, or it's strictly for law enforcement? Well, it is a law enforcement facility, but occasionally we do have some events here that the public is welcome at, and we usually put them up on our website, which is mta.info. Fantastic. I would encourage our listeners to attend one of those because it is amazing, just absolutely amazing what the dogs do and what you guys do. And and thank you for keeping us safe, Lieutenant. Thank you for everything you do and your partners. And thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything that you want our listeners to know about the facility before we go? Well, the facility's here not for us, but it's for the public. And that's that we're here to protect you and serve you. So all this that we're doing here is really not about us. It's about helping the people who are riding the transit system. And we and really I just want to say thank you in advance for all your support with this. And thank you for everything that you do. And thank you. I'm honored to have you as a guest on My Dog Digs Dirt. Thank you all for listening. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>